It was not uncommon for men of the time to photograph the dead. This one, though, has become one of the most popular and of particular interest amongst the city folk. The hour appears late. The faces seem erased. Strange occurrence for an exposure to give an effect of such supernatural undertones in the bright desert sun. It's fitting, though. We start the bidding at three hundred dollars. April 5th, 1865. Donato Almonte lies awake midday inside of a wagon, beaten and destroyed by the American West. It's not his, simply an old relic he has encountered along his journey. It's a perfect vessel for a moment of rest and a minute of appreciation. He sits inside the wagon, smoking marijuana placed inside of a crushed cigarette. Donato is a painter, one of the best from a small Mexican town just south of the Texas border. He contemplates his next move while he watches a large spider crawl across the ripped fabric ceiling. spider. He rises up with his decision, grabs his bag, and moves to the exit. He takes his small brimmed hat, places it atop his head, and hops out of the wagon. The world is wet as the warm spring sun finally makes quick work of the snowy winter. Donato is dressed like most artists, fashionable but on the verge of peasantry. His rucksack is filled with all of his survival necessities, stained canvas, and overused brushes. As Donato moves briskly through the woods, he is startled. A majestic buck, standing only four or five yards away, expels visible warm breath into the cool air as it holds its unflinching gaze to Donato. Donato says with an appreciative smile while removing his hat. Across the buck's left ribcage and the left side of its face are striking but healed claw marks from a grizzly. Donato notices. Sobreviviente. Bien. It turns back to the woods like a spectral beast and disappears deep into the forest. Donato smiles again and looks up to the heavens. He nods and thanks. Donato is now scaling a small mountainside. His bag is heavy and his route looks treacherous, but Donato is undeterred. His smile is persistent. He plants his feet firmly between two rocks and turns to view the majestic valley before him. He loses his breath, and his smile becomes even wider. He removes the brown leather rucksack from his back and removes a single canvas from a leather wrapping attached to the top of the bag, all while trying to stay atop the mountainside. He begins to remove a small easel tied to his bag. He digs his legs in between two rocks. He places the canvas on the easel and begins to remove his oil paints. To most, Donato may seem foolhardy, but Donato knows the only way to leave a mark on this world is to risk everything. He dips his brush into his oil paints. 
A strong gust crashes along the mountainside. Denar almost loses his canvas, but he grabs it just as it sets sail. He steadies it. His ever-ready smile continues. <laughs> to him, this journey is nothing too unlike the troubles of the Vikings first across the Atlantic. He begins to paint. The brush moves from side to side with beauty. Colors mix, and the sweat of passion soon begins to drip from Donato's hair to his brow. It is without a shadow of a doubt Donato's best work. This will change his life. This will set off a celebration in his hometown every year, as all gather to remember the painting by Donato Almonte that stole a glance into the dangerous beauty of the American West. He dips his brush into his paints again. A rock gives way. Donato oh. <laughs> wakes to the loud sounds of the night. His entire body is sore and blood drips from his nose. He begins to try to move, but he finds that his right leg is mangled, dislodged, and almost completely removed from his body. In the distance, a train can be heard. It's too far. Donato remembers all of those who have come before him and every hardship they have ever encountered. Their names, their faces would not be remembered if they simply laid down to wait for death. Donato begins to crawl. He continues forward towards the sound of the train. As the night passes, he finds the tracks. He pulls along the rails following the vibrations of trains miles away. With every move, he digs his nails into the ground. They have begun to fall off now. By the afternoon, through his determination, he arrives at a town directly in the middle of it all. His hands continue to pull him through the mud and the horse shit that covers the ground. He's unnoticed by so many around him. Help me. Horses pass him. The town scoffs. He tries to grab at feet. Someone. Me, please. please. No one cares. Please, please, me. Please. Chapter three. Oil on canvas.
October 30th, 1871. Miles and miles of forests, nondescript and cold. Lost in the sea of trees are Christian and Hannah, the little girl, traveling on horseback through them all. Hannah sleeps with her head dangling. The smell of the dead body does not bother her anymore. Not like it did. They have traveled for weeks together now, desperately making their way to Missouri, through rivers and caves. Through rain and dry plains. The days grow shorter and the nights grow longer. Passerbys are rare. Christian doesn't know how much longer he can keep doing this. He's developed a fever and sweats every night. His appearances become pale and his skin constantly shines with sweat. The air is crisp as the sun begins to peek from around the horizon through the forest. The small little girl in bare man's fur slowly opens her eyes. She is alone at a small extinguished campfire, where she and Christian feasted on a pair of small rabbits. She lifts herself to her knees and crawls over to the sound of rustling she hears in the close distance. It's Christian, refixing his mangled one-armed dead prize back to their horse. He sleeps next to it at night, worried the devil will snatch it from him when his eyes finally shut. Quiet, damn you! She stays with me. <coughs> Hannah, who peeks over from a fallen tree, slowly rises. She startles Christian. He hides his conversation. Get your effects, Hannah. Hannah turns around and makes her way back to where she slept. Christian frustratingly finishes tying his dead bounty to the horse. You keep quiet, you fiend. <coughs> On some nights, Christian has caught Hannah, more and more curious of death, sneaking a peek into the bag curious of who it is that lays inside. Hannah returns to her makeshift bed. She has small wooden figurines she has found along their way. A soldier and a madam. She grabs them, places them in her pocket, and pulls the bare head hood over her own. Christian and Hannah have camped alongside a large hill, where the elevation keeps the evergreens short. The ground crunches with every move, the creaks of trees lend to a rather foreboding sense, and clouds easily crash along the mountainside dissipating into fog. It destroys the view, and at this point, Hannah doesn't even know how far away the ground might be. Let's go, Hannah. She makes her way to Christian, who raises her on top of the horse. In the deep unknown distance, a woman scream, violent and pained. Hannah becomes anxious. It's fine. <laughs> Christian steps forward, removing his pistol. The faint morning sun begins to disappear behind a dark fog. Christian whistles with two fingers. It's a trick. The fog begins to drift off the mountainside, spreading through the trees. Christian moves back to the horse with his pistol still clutched in his hand. He mounts the horse. Keep your eyes open wide. Christian takes the horse to a trot. The deeper they get, the thicker the fog becomes. <laughs> Hannah does her best to keep herself calm while Christian's fever blurs his vision. 
he begins to hunch on his horse. The leather of Christian's body bag flaps and snaps. Shh. Hannah is uncomfortably tense. It's alright. It's alright. Christian and Hannah emerge around the bend of a tree. Before them, a large buck with grizzly marks across its ribcage and face. The buck stares back at the three of them, almost as a haunting vision. It lowers its head in what looks like a bow. A flutter of crows flap across the sky. The buck turns and disappears into the woods. Its grace and silence haunt Christian down his spine. Just above Christian's head, a crow caws, frightening him and Hannah once again. Feasts upon something foul. The stench stings their noses. Get out of it! Christian and Hannah emerge out of the forest into what appears to be an open field of a crop that is now dead and rotten. horse begins to trample through a small patch of pumpkins rotten from the base to the roots, biting into the ground. Scattered through the dead pumpkins and broken fence are a murder of crows. They emerge into the streets of a town, passing a sign, Independence, 1861. The fog hides most of it. It's eerily quiet, but as they continue down the path, the sounds of a saloon piano spill into the streets. But there are no sounds of laughter, or cheers. Warm lights glow in some of the houses, others appear frighteningly dark. Christian quietly slows his horse. It stops. In the middle of the town stands a dark figure with its hand raised in the air. Hannah is nervous again, as Christian places his hand over her mouth. We ain't looking for trouble. We're just looking for passage. Finally, the figure lowers its hand. Christian and Hannah startle as a crow appears out of the fog and lands upon the dark figure's shoulders. Christian's head tilts as he fights back the chills once again on his spine. Crow caws at Christian and Hannah. Christian turns to look at the saloon nearby and the lights from inside. He moves his horse over to the hitching post. It wrestles with Christian as he pushes it forward towards the saloon. He dismounts off of the horse. Come on. He lifts Hannah off of the horse and keeps his gun at the ready. The saloon seems like the place of best refuge. Suddenly, they are hit by a smell. Something familiar yet more powerful than anything they have encountered before. Christian returns his gaze to the saloon. Get up there. Rain begins to pour down on top of the city streets. He moves a bit quicker with his gun readily drawn towards the dark figure being eaten by the crow and beaten by the rain. They reach the saloon doors and open them up. Hannah screams. To their horror and surprise, the saloon is filled, but not with the living, 
Dead men and women, almost skeletal, having rotted for what appears to be years, are propped up like sculptures and lifestyle poses all across the saloon. Their decaying bodies clutch pint glasses and cigarettes. Men's arms lay wrapped around the waists of the women. The piano is the only thing alive. What the hell? Christian grabs Hannah by the collar and rips her out of the saloon. They stumble down newly wet stairs while they look out to the dark figure again. Christian slips and smashes into the mirror shit on the ground. He has become incredibly dizzy and the world is spinning. The wind slams the shutters throughout the town open and closed. Hannah is continuing to scream while Christian's horse begins to rip off the post. Christian finally comes to. No! Christian lunges for the reins as the horse finally snaps the posts. No, goddammit! The horse's strength is too much for Christian and it rips him into the mud. He pulls the horse tight back. This way! They all cross the street to what looks like a barn. Christian bursts it open and pulls himself, the horse, and Hannah inside. He slams the door shut and places the wood latch in front of it to keep it from opening. He feels a run for a light as Hannah pants heavily in fear. He finds a lantern hanging from the wall and lights it. He turns around again. Jesus Christ. More propped up dead men. One feeds hay to an empty stall, the other is frozen mid-brush of what would be a horse, and the last one sits next to a milking pan with his chin resting on his hand. Christian moves over to them and kicks them into the ground. Hannah curls into a ball as Christian's horse disappears deeper into the barn. Christian shakes his head. Everything is spinning again. He moves over to his horse. He grabs it and pulls his dead body off of the horse and moves for an empty stall. He looks around and finds a shovel. He brushes the hay to the side and begins to dig. He grunts in pain trying to use his last breath. He reaches a good enough depth and pushes the dead body inside. I'm not going to make it, Hannah. I can barely stand. <coughs> he covers it with dirt and brushes the hay atop it. Hannah stares out of a hole in the barn door. The dark figure slowly turns his head over to her. She shudders back in terror. Christian grabs her. I need to break this fever. They begin to move. Christian and Hannah burst out of the barn and back into another street. The rain outside is fierce and has added an inch of water into the streets. They both struggle across. Christian becomes dizzy and dives headfirst into the mud. Hannah begins to drag Christian. She struggles to pull him across the street, but manages to burst into what appears to be an empty house. She closes the door, trying to hide their trace, and drags Christian into the corner. She finds a small blanket covering a chair and places it over herself and Christian. They're stuck. Have they finally found help? A small house sits on a prairie. The gray sky and sand-colored dead grass paint a cold picture. Small flakes of snow quietly drift in a small breeze. 
Christian is hobbling his way towards it, moving fast. He's unable to speak. His lungs have collapsed and his ribs are tight. He tries to pick up the pace. He speaks, but only blood and spit come out. As he arrives inside, a sobbing little boy is heard. He tries to call for him. Christian's eyes slowly open. His clothes are soaked in sweat. He's back with Hannah in independence. Just a dream. He rises up to find Hannah laying next to him, shivering but sweating. She is sick now too. He makes the sound of a choking fish as he moves through the front door. He crashes through the door of the rundown shack. The day is gone. It is night now. Christian still feels the days of his fever. The world spins to him as he crashes through the barn where he buried the body and heads for the saloon. Crows are all gathered on top of the saloon, some circle in the air. Christian slips on the stairs and crawls up into the saloon. As he swings the doors open, a few crows picking at the dead inside are scattered about, jumping from table to table. Christian continues deeper into the saloon, knocking a few of the dead down to the ground. He makes his way behind the bar with fury, knocking over the bartender whose bones crack and break. He begins to open the cabinets, one by one, searching desperately for water. Finally, he finds a glass of water. He pries it open and begins to drink. He gulps hard as it splashes down his face. He pauses. The water isn't the purest. He begins to throw it up. Fortunately, enough of the water has quenched his thirst. Christian rises and peers above the bar over to the piano. Still, no one sits there, but it has indeed stopped. Christian rises to his feet. He limps over to the piano, passing through the dead men and women. He reaches the piano. One key is pressed down. It's stuck. Christian moves his finger to press the button. The key lifts. Nausea hits Christian fast. You can just leave it play. Christian slowly turns back to the voice. The barkeep wipes down the bar. You can just leave it play. Outsiders around here don't see too much of them like that. It'll just play by itself. You look pretty terrible. I can get you some whiskey. That'll break the fever. Christian looks around at the dead sculptures. Christian begins to move back through the dead, making his way to the bar. The barkeep removes a small shot glass and places it on the table. He pulls the top off the whiskey and pours it into the glass. Christian reaches the bar table and crashes into it, almost missing the stool. The barkeep slides him the shot. He drinks it down. The barkeep grabs the glass and pours another. You got a light? I ain't got one on me. I must have dropped it. Ain't no trouble. Any of y'all got a light? 
Another drink slides to Christian. He takes it and drinks it down. The barkeep takes it and pours another. Elizabeth! The barkeep's hands raised to a woman who already sits on another stranger's lap. She lifts and makes her way over to the barkeep. Elizabeth, with a warm complexion and dark brown eyes, is dressed in a black gown that she holds off the ground as she walks through the crowd of savages. She reaches the barkeep. He nods to Christian. Howdy, mister. She sits in the seat next to Christian with her legs crossed and pressing up against him. Most of trouble. No trouble. They don't look like no trouble. The glass of whiskey makes it to Christian's hand. You look like you're burning up, darling. How far away from Denver are we? Denver's a bit north. It ain't north. <laughs> it sure is north. Do you get turned around in that fog? I don't know. You look like you ain't got nowhere to be right now, mister. Why don't you come with me? I can show you the quickest way to Denver. Christian, dazed, drunk, and sick, reaches for his pistol. Elizabeth stops him. Don't be silly. I think you'll like it. You can see it from upstairs. Christian doesn't seem to be in control of himself anymore. He stands up and begins to limp with Elizabeth, who tends to him, nearly holding him up. They make their way to the stairs. Everyone here's been waiting. They say there's a man on his way. He's got a prize with him, worth a lot of money. And it's gonna save us all. But they say that man's got the devil in him. He may not help nobody. They reach the top of the stairs. You know anything about that? My daddy knew about the devil. He said you could see him everywhere. But you'd never catch him. They walk down the hall where a man lies face down on the ground next to a sitting woman with smeared makeup and runny eyeshadow. They step over the man and make it to a room. It's right in here, sweetie. Christian opens the door. Elizabeth moves in and lights a small lantern. Inside is one bed, a small dresser, and a bucket to catch the leaky roof. In the back is a small window hidden with a curtain. It's right out this window here. She moves the small curtain and pulls it back. Christian stumbles as he reaches the window. He looks out. There's nothing. I don't see nothing. What do you mean you don't see nothing? Them lights right there. I don't understand. You can usually always see them lights. Christian can barely stand. Why don't you sit here? I'll keep looking out the window and call you over when I find it. Christian sits down on the bed. Elizabeth hands him a flask of whiskey. What are you doing with that little girl? What little girl? Your little girl. She ate my little girl. Alright, alright. Just strange for someone to wander around with someone else's little girl. It ain't that, goddammit. I found her. You saved her. Christian shakes his head. Well, honey, these kinds of places can chew you up. Fire cure sickness. What did you say? Hard times kill the weak. Except my daddy used to say. My daddy said that. We would have gotten along. You got a ma'am? Christian shakes his head. Children? You see that city yet? No, sir. I think it's moved. Christian looks to her. She smiles with sarcasm. Why don't you lay down, honey? Take a load off. She moves to his feet and begins to remove his boots. Oh, this 
damn rain. The bucket begins to catch the rain. You can close your eyes, honey. Ain't nothing to worry about. I'll keep you safe. Christian's eyes slowly close as the rain continues to patter. Elizabeth moves over to Christian's side, who remains motionless and in a trance. She sits next to him and removes her own shoes. You know something, mister? I think you're the man with the trophy. She leans into Christian's face. I saw you unturn the tail with that bag on the back of your horse. Elizabeth pulls out a small kitchen knife and places it to Christian's throat. I could smell him before I saw him. Why do you carry that man around like that? I killed him. What'd he do to you? Enough. Well, I think he should be my ticket out of here. A lot of people here are real thirsty for something like that. Do I know him? What's his name? No name. Don't you lie like them cheats downstairs. Where'd you put him? The small house on the prairie. Christian moves towards it again. As he enters, the small boy still cries. He tries to call again. Christian's eyes open. His body is still sweating uncontrollably. He is shivering. Rain is still splattering on the roof and leaking into the bucket. It is daylight now. A brand new day. Christian rolls along the bed he fell asleep in, but unfortunately, he is not alone in it. He shoots up to see that he had fallen asleep on two more dead props, a man and a woman holding each other in bed. God damn it! Christian crashes out of the bed into the hallway. What the hell is happening to me? The smell of the dead hits his nose again. He covers his mouth with his arm. He takes fabric from a curtain and rips it off and wraps it around his face to hide the smell. On the ground is a decomposing man, face down, and a decomposing woman with fresh makeup and runny eye shadow next to him, smoking a cigarette. He stands up and makes his way down the stairs. Limping, he moves down to the bottom, holding the railing the entire time. As he reaches the end of the stairs, he surveys all of the dead, and their backs turn to him. He moves through the dead crowd. Hannah! Hannah! He makes it to the outside. The slight drizzle of rain continues as he makes his way into the muddy street. Crows drift through the low clouds above the town. What the hell is this? He limps into the barn where he hid his dead prize. Hannah, we have to get the hell out of here! The dead figures he kicked down yesterday are repositioned in new poses. Some sort of wicked devilry. He moves into the stall where he hid his dead prize. He drops to his knees and begins to dig him up. He screams in uncontrollable pain. The body is gone, replaced by crushed pieces of a mirror that now stick out of his hands. He begins to pull them out of his hand one by one. Hannah! 
stumbles out of the stall and moves towards the back exit of the barn, heading for his original resting spot. He crosses the street and enters the rundown shack. The door is still open. Hannah! He moves in. There is nothing there but sheets and a sweaty, muddy mark that is smeared on the floor leading right out to the exit. She has been taken. Christian stumbles back outside and sees a clear path leading all the way to a large church like a town hall, decayed and decrepit. Shutters hanging on by single nails, paint curling up the building and the front door completely removed. Small candlelight shine from the windows as the small faint sound of a cello is heard. God damn it! Christian pulls out his pistol and picks up his pace, following the muddy trail to the town hall. Christian's horse crosses through the street, moving in front of Christian like a wild, directionless beast. Christian needs him, but not right now. As he reaches the building, he sees more of the dead sitting in rocking chairs outside. The cello continues to play from a room on the second floor. Christian enters. The house is dark, except for the dancing light of candles scattered throughout. The walls are covered in paint, art, drawings that contrast each other, all resembling a giant sketch pad. Some of the most beautiful hills and mountains, murals of westerners enjoying their lives. As Christian continues through the hallway, it turns into older symbols, nothing that Christian recognizes from ancient people and religions. They seem to depict life and death. Christian reaches the end of the hallway and begins ascending the stairs, quietly, as the sounds of the cello get louder. He is getting closer. At the top of the stairs, there's a long hallway that leads down to a room where the cello is being played and logs in the fireplace crackle. In eyesight, laying alongside a wall in the room, is Hannah, very sick and whimpering. Christian begins to move down the dark hallway, passing closed doors, trying to stay quiet. He appears out of the darkness to Hannah. She raises her eyes and notices him. Christian places his finger to his lips to quiet her. The cello stops. Hannah jerks her head to where the cello sound was emanating. Christian doesn't have time. He is caught. He bursts into the room, turning his pistol to where the villain should be. Nothing but a cello, a crow tied to a perch, and an open door. Out of the darkness behind Christian appears a man with a large hunting knife. Christian turns and is immediately the figure is lifted into the air. He is dropped hard onto the ground. The dark figure catches his breath. Christian coughs up blood. The dark figure looks down to Christian, panting heavily. The figure is dressed in large, tattered winter coats, wool, fur, and tailored jackets. Pieces of millions of different people in one. His head is wrapped like the dead pharaohs with goggles covering his eyes that reflect the flames from his fireplace. His most striking feature is his missing right leg, replaced with a peg. If Christian was a more educated man, he might assume this was Frankenstein's monster. The dark figure makes his way to his fire as Christian continues to ponder defeat. The figure begins to poke at the logs of the fire with his bare hands. Hannah curls into a ball. The man begins to speak, his voice and rasp almost creak as much as the floor. You'll die! Christian slowly pulls the knife out of his gut. He rolls over as the blood pools. What is this? This is my masterpiece. Sculptures not of marble, but of flesh and blood. Your prize will be my centerpiece. 
Anderson, believed dead. And now, it is true. Uh, it ain't yours. Who is he to you? No one. He has been dead for so long. It has to be someone for which you harbor such rage to carry him all this way. Who is he to you? He's my money. That is all. I heard you last night, speaking to the dead. I speak to them too. What did they tell you? Tomorrow is an important day. A day of remembrance. <coughs> this was a mining town. Inside the ring continues to make mud. The dark figure drags Christian through it all and arrives at a broken down gallows. You will be chivoted. The example to warn away the other devils that are looking for trouble. An important part of the American story. He hoists Christian up to the gallows, wraps the noose around his neck, and pushes him into the hole. Christian dangles and chokes. Being strangled in rain. I will find a place for the girl. The dark figure, Donato Alamante, descends the gallows and returns to his devilish town hall. Christian continues to choke as he dangles, clutching a rope around his neck. Everything begins to fade. He goes black, and his body becomes firm. rope that Christian hangs from his years old, a small tear formed years ago begins to rip once again. It snaps and Christian falls to the ground. He chokes and coughs, pulling the noose away. He rises up and makes his way into the heart of the town. He enters the town hall looking for them. 
Footsteps are heard upstairs. Christian makes his way to the room with the cello and the crow. To his surprise, it is empty. All except the crow calling violently at Christian, trying to escape his perch. He swore he heard them, but it is nothing but empty. The ghosts of hell trick Christian. Donato must already be on the move. Christian finds his pistol and again keeps it at his ready. He exits town hall and makes his way into the streets and begins to check all of the houses, the bars, and the jails. All dead men and women propped in their positions. None of them Hannah. Christian appears at a small rundown house. A light shines in the top room from a small candle. Christian enters inside. The house's ambience is quiet, haunting. This is a house a family lived in. Pictures, dolls, and life are spread throughout. It reminds Christian of something he has not seen in a long time. He proceeds inside and makes his way upstairs. He arrives at the door. It is slightly cracked open with warm light spilling into the hallway. A small music box plays a tune as Christian enters slowly opening the door. It creaks and we find a very sick Hannah in a little girl's bed. A dead man, no doubt a father, sits at Hannah's bedside with his hand placed on her stomach. The room is the most color Christian has seen in months. Children's dollhouses and small clothes for dress-up litter the floors of the room. Hannah breathes heavy and sharp, her eyes closed. Hannah! Christian runs to her, ripping the dead man away from her and pulls off a thick blanket. Please wake up! Please! Christian turns to find Donato approaching with a small hatchet. Christian raises his hand to stop a greater blow. Donato's hatchet severs three of Christian's fingers. Donato kicks Christian into the nightstand that drops a candle that catches the corner of the room on fire. You are destroying my work! This is where she belongs now! In a warm home! With family that loves her! Christian makes his way home again, the small snow falling. Christian, in pain, still moves to it. Has this been a dream? Or is this Christian's inevitable end? She's not going to die. Christian takes Donato and throws him into the fire. He screams at the top of his lungs as he begins to burn. Christian moves to Hannah and picks her up, removing her from the room. He stumbles down the stairs and makes his way into the street once more. The wind of the storm begins to pick up. The shutters begin to slam. Christian's horse storms into the street, bucking and braying. Christian moves into the barn once more. He places Hannah on the ground. Hannah! She isn't breathing. Hannah! No, no, Hannah, please! Still nothing. Hannah, no! I'm sorry! Please! Christian becomes defiant. No. Christian stands and he finds a bucket filled with rotten water. The smell stings the nose. 
Christian moves back to hand and throws it in her face. She screams and wakes up. Christian clutches her to his chest. Outside, Donato returns to the streets, screaming uncontrollably. Christian, now furious, stands to his feet and walks to the edge of the open barn. Donato's bandages have been burned to his face. One side of his goggles is shattered and a menacing eye filled with rage stares at Christian. Christian raises his pistol and fires a shot through his skull. Donato instantly stops and falls to his knees. His eyes linger on Christian as his head lowers to its final resting position. Christian and Hannah find Christian's one-armed bounty just outside of the town on top of a hill. He sits in the wilderness, painting the most exquisite painting Christian has ever seen of a buck with scars across its face and ribs from a grizzly, standing in a beautiful, untamed forest. Christian removes the dead man from his pose. Christian and Hannah are on the horse again. Hannah is still sick. Christian's wound is burned shut. He clutches a map in his hand. This train track, we can follow. It will take us through Kansas. Maybe we can stow away if we don't draw no attention. Christian prays that his children can hold on just a little longer. Is this the devil? Hannah points to the body in the bag. No, this is my father. New York City, June 5th, 1891, 20 years later. An auctioneer in the back of an upper-class New York City residence packs up his belongings and finishes out his day. Excuse me, sir? Yes? The man that bought the picture? He wants to speak with you for a moment. Uh, Pickup isn't until a few days. He just wants to talk about the photograph with me. Fine. The door swings open and a handsome man in his late 20s enters the room. His name is Wayland. He is dressed well, not like the city folk, but with a long coat and leather long-brimmed hat. His face is scruffy and his hair is long. His eyes pierce like his father's. Hello? The auctioneer is surprised. Hello, son. That was quite a high price for such a young man. You want to know about the photo? I do. Well, I unfortunately don't know much, son. It was found about a decade ago inside of a collection in Denver City. No one was sure how it got there. A lot of this stuff would be found by other travelers and collected along the roads of the West. Some would pawn it for more. The picture itself has created quite a bit of following. There were rumors in the West about a man carrying a dead bounty through the West. It probably has quite an interesting history, uh, but I don't know what it is. Hmm. Colorado? Yes, sir. May I see the photo again? It is not prepared just yet, I'm afraid. 
I am happy to pay more to look at it. You have to understand. Wayland places a large stack of bills onto the auctioneer's table. His eyes widen and look to Wayland again. They both move through a large area of other things that have been sold. They arrive at a picture. The auctioneer removes it from its sheath. It gives me chills each time. Wayland looks to Daniel's photo of Christian and his bounty, taken decades ago. What is your interest in this photo? This is my father. Wayland points to Christian. Well, that's impossible to tell. It's not. It's Christian Anderson. Anderson? Uh, Wesley Anderson? Denver, you said? Thank you. Dodge City, the same day, 1891. The hustle of Dodge City in the swampy day permeates the world around us. Two small boys sneak up on an old leather pack that belongs to a hopeless grizzled man in an alleyway, talking into something invisible. He is crazy. The two boys reach the satchel. The man doesn't see them and continues to speak erratically to the wall. The boys begin to peel the bag open. Inside, a skull stares back. They gasp with a smile. Get out of it! The man chases the children away. They laugh mischievously into the street. He picks up his backpack filled with bones and continues to mutter to himself. Let's go, Hannah. There is no one there in the street. He sees something we don't. The man moves into the busy street. The sounds of laughter, people, carriages fill the street and move past him without a second glance. The man is Christian, older and weathered, with his hand and missing fingers clutching a large leather pack of his dead father's bones. He disappears into the crowd. Yeah. 
to make a point I dare you sugar say the word Cause I am not afraid of death To let your people